We're going to be looking at the Bible now. We're going to be looking from Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through to 20. Uh, Ted's going to come up and read that for us. Uh, with the way that we're going to be doing this series, um, uh, because it's an ethics series on relationships, we're probably going to do it a bit differently in a sense that we won't always be working through a passage together, which is our normal shape. Uh, but we're going to be using uh, and looking at the Bible together and showing how it uh, guides and directs us in the areas that we're looking at. And Colossians 1 is a great part of the Bible for us just to set our bearings for the moment to see uh, what every decision that we make is based around one person. So uh, Ted's going to come up. He's going to read that for us. It's uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through to 20. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may, be, that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Well, can I encourage you that if you want to do uh, some Bible readings this week, just spend the week in Colossians chapter 1. Uh, it's a great part of the Bible that will just expand and uh, enliven you, I think, to who Jesus is. It's a great part of the Bible. Uh, before we uh, have a look at this today, what about we pray and ask God to help us? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you uh, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that in it uh, we know everything that we need to know about salvation and how we are to live for you, Lord. We pray that uh, this morning that as we spend time thinking about uh, like a scaffolding, a framework that we can use, Lord, as we look at different issues that come our way, uh, different ethical issues that we need to look at, we ask, Lord, that you'll guide and direct us uh, to be always coming back to you that we won't be just working it out on our own, but we'll be seeking you within it, Lord, and looking to your word, your word to us in the Bible, Lord, for guidance and direction, so that you can show us the way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know whether you were here 12 months ago, but if you were here 12 months ago, we had a look at a series on ethics, and we looked at things like redefining marriage, homosexuality, uh, euthanasia and a few other areas like that. Uh, this year, as you can see in our sheet, we're going in a slightly different direction, but 
because of uh, what happened last year and how good we thought it was to actually sit back and have a look at some of the big things that are happening around us in the world and then have a look at how we can understand it from a Christian perspective, uh, we thought we'd do it again uh, this term as well, term three. Well, we, that's me. Um, I decided it was a good thing for us to do. Uh, you always speak in the royal we, can't we? Um, and so I thought it would be a good thing for us to do that. And so I thought, uh, as I was talking to Karina, and we're talking, thinking about what areas should we be looking at this time, and because she's at the moment in the middle of doing a family counselling course, she was talking to some of her uh, people that were doing that course with her, and a, a number of things that they were talking about in that course was people were saying that they wish churches would approach a number of these different issues. They wish that churches would talk about how do we live in relationships and different types of relationships and some of the big issues in relationships that are impacting the everyday person. How about we do some talking about that in church? Uh, they talk about we need to look at the Bible, that's great, but how do we apply that into some of the stuff we're really wrestling with at the moment on the ground? Uh, the answer to it is as, as we read the Bible and as we look through the Bible, it should hit those areas. Uh, but sometimes it's worth us just focusing in specifically on some things and saying, well, what does the Bible say towards this? How do we put in place how we think about the world Christianly to these issues? How do I understand if I'm struggling with a particular issue in my life, how can I work through that from a biblical position? How can I do that? Uh, so that's what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. We're going to be looking at all those issues there together and we're going to work through that together. We're going to spend time thinking about it. It could be really hard. There is some stuff in this that we're going to be looking at that could touch some raw bones. It could really impact us. And I'm praying that God does, but that he cuts to the bone. The Bible says that the word is like a double-edged sword. It cuts through bone and marrow to the heart. And really, if we're going to be living as followers of Jesus, then it's not just surface stuff, is it, guys? It needs to cut to the heart. It really needs to impact us here so that we live it out there and that we need to do that together. And we're not here to point the finger at people as we go through this because we're going to hit some stuff that's going to be really hard and some of us will be struggling with some of these things and some of it will really hit home some of the sins that you and I are really working through. And it's not that we're going to be here today pointing our finger at each other, but we're going to be here loving one another and gathering one another together and saying, let's work through this together. So that's what I pray we'll do. Uh, the series that we're going to be looking at, it's not from, uh, here we are as a high Christian moral and you need to be doing this. This is saying as we love one another, how do we lovingly care for one another to follow Jesus together within that. And so that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, so today what we're going to do is just very quickly overview a little bit of, in a sense, like a scaffolding of framework for why, which we can actually look at things and put that together as we, as we think about these issues together. Now, uh, Sam and Ben are going to try and follow me and I've gone completely different to the intro, so they're going to just have to keep with me as we go. Uh, I don't know whether you can remember last year, but at the start of the series last year, we actually played a song by the Beatles. Can you remember, just does that come back to you? I know it's 12 months ago. I mean, we couldn't even remember memory verses from two weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago. So try and go back 12 months. Uh, a Beatles song that might encapsulate everything that we need to know about ethics. Well, that's big, isn't it? All we need is love. Well done. Woohoo! I was going to play it, but I'm not too sure it wasn't working on our screen this morning. Uh, but it's a song by the Beatles. If you listen to the words, um, the chorus is great. The words in between are just weird. They're strange words. They say, if you want to sing, you just got to sing a song. If you want to make something, then just make it. But all you need is love. I'm like, oh, that's weird. Um, who knows what they were smoking at the time. Benny. Paperback writer might work as well. I like all I need is love, mate. Um, but the song and the chorus come is, all we need is love. 
All we need is love. And it's a catchy one, isn't it? And in one sense, that's what the Bible does say to us. When it comes to how we live in this world around us, all we need is love. Now, I'm not too sure whether John Paul Ringo actually got it exactly right. Their idea of love, I think, was a slightly different direction. Uh, but when we come to the Bible, the overarching theme of the Bible of how do we live is love. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to sort of unpack that a little bit because uh, it's not just love in a void. It's not just love that sits out there. It's not just this lovely, funny feeling that we have when we're just sitting beside the person that, that we, we love or we'd like to love or we think we love. It's not that fuzzy feeling like that, but it's more than that. It's greater than that. And it's based all on one person. It's all related to Jesus. So guys, if you click through the screen, you go down to the next one. That's it. You see, all you need is love, but it's all about Jesus. Because as we read through Colossians chapter 1, uh, take some time, because I'm not going to pull it apart a great deal today, but just have a look through it and see who the focus of Colossians chapter 1 is. It's all about Jesus, isn't it? Uh, if you go down to verse 13, it's about, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. And then he talks about how Jesus uh, brings us salvation, but he's also the creator of all things. So if you click that one up, guys, we'll go there. He's the creator and saviour. So in the verses 15 through there, it's what he was in the beginning. He was the image of the invisible God. Everything is created by Jesus and is sustained by Jesus. If Jesus took his finger off the well for one minute second, boom, it's all gone. Have a think about that. Because that means that if Jesus took his finger off this creation for the minutest appointed time, you would no longer be here. Completely wiped out. That is how powerful he is. It's phenomenal, isn't it? Take a moment and just contemplate that for a while, what that means for you. That Jesus is the creator and sustainer of everything. And as the creator and sustainer of everything, he is the one that redeems us and brings us back. Uh, have a look down to verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Amazing love, I what sacrifice, that the creator, the sustainer of all things, would die for me, would die for you. That is amazing love, isn't it? Uh, last year there was a show, Sunday night, I think they have a show, and they had this ad, the most amazing act of love ever was a catchphrase through this uh, advertisement for it. And it was an advertisement uh, for, I think his name was Jack, um, let's try to remember his name now, um, uh, Jack Thompson. And Jack Thompson uh, had done this act of love where he'd helped out this blind guy for about 25 years. And it was called the greatest act of love ever. I thought, mate, good on you, Jack, but that's nothing compared to what Jesus has done, is it? The greatest of like that, love, act of love ever? Mate, Sunday Night Live, you're, just, you're trying to I don't, beef it up, aren't you, really? It's got nothing compared to Jesus. The sustainer, the creator of all things, died to reconcile us to him and to his Father. That is the greatest love ever. 
And we're called uh, to love like that, you see, because not only is he the creator and the sustainer and our saviour, but he brings us into that. And we actually are brought into him. Our identity is actually found in him. Who can remember what Philippians 1.21 says? So told that I can't remember the past two weeks. No, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Get out your verses to hang your lives on, guys. Is it not on the fridge? Is it not on your toilet door? For me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the, among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. You see, Jesus is the head of the church, the head of the body, the head of us, and that we have been brought into him and we have our identity in him. And so Paul in Philippians 1 verse 21 says that for him to live is Christ. It is all about Jesus. And to die means to be with Jesus, to gain. It's completely sold out for this Jesus and that we have been brought into this. And when we did Philippians 1.21, remember we looked at seven identities that we have in Jesus, that we are in him. And if we are in him, then we are to live for him. So go back, you see, Paul's done it in a bit different way. Go back to verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. You see, the aim of God, of us being in Christ, what he desires for you and I is to be conformed, to be more and more like Jesus so that when we live in the world... We shine a light for him. As Jenny prayed earlier, that we are to be out there in the world and when people look at us, we are shining for Jesus in everything that we do. We are to be conformed to be like him, that we are to live for him. That we have been brought into his team, into his church, under his head, and we are to live for him in that. It's a bit like this. Imagine that you're invited to join a soccer team one day and that soccer team was made up of just a few people, uh, generally people who use maybe us together as a church and the main player in that is uh, Messi or Beckham or Ronaldo in their heyday. They're the captain of the team. Now, some of us here enjoy soccer, but some of us don't. Uh, some of us could play a little bit, some of us could play pathetically, some of us wanted to sit on the sideline, but we've been brought into this team. And this is our team. And so we start playing soccer. Now, most of the time we're pretty hopeless. But there he is. Ronaldo's out the front. And he's weaving his way through. He's scoring all the goals. And we start cheering for him. And as time goes on, we start to think we might get involved a little bit here. So we might pass the odd ball to him. He gets it and he scores again. Woo-hoo! As time goes on a little bit further, we think, oh, this is even better. I might get a pass back from him. So you start calling, Ronaldo, to me, to me, to me. And then we start passing between each other and as time goes on, we actually start to becoming a team and we start playing soccer and we start playing a little bit like Ronaldo. Now, we're not going to be Ronaldo, but we start to be like him and we start to play a game of soccer with him together. And that's the picture of us as his church, as Jesus' church, that we're on his team. He's our captain. We start playing with him. Now, most of the time it's he's the big guy and he will continue to be, but we start to look, the more we play, the more we start to look like him. So that we live in the world bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance, patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father, bringing glory to God in living for Jesus. You see, that's where our identity is. 
When we think about how we are to live, when we think about how we are to live in a world that has all these issues out here, how we are to we think biblically, ethically about these things, then the first thing we need to realise is that we're in Jesus. It's all about him. That we're part of his team. When we're getting on his team, we start to play with him as our leader. And we realise that when we start playing as a team with him as our leader, that not only is it all about Jesus, but it is all about love. When Jesus is asked, what are the two greatest commandments? What's the greatest commandment? He says, when someone comes up to him, what does Jesus say? Is to... Yep, first one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbour as yourself. That sums up the law and the prophets, Jesus says. That pulls it all together. Love God with everything that you have and love everyone out there as you love yourself. That's a really catchy little phrase, isn't it? To love God and to love others. But it's not easy to do, is it? And that's how we live life. We've got to learn to live to love. But that's what Jesus is saying. That, that is the ethic of life, is how do we learn, as we're on Jesus' team, to love God with everything and then learn how do we love one another within that. And so the decisions that we make about what we do and how we do them are all related to whether it's about loving God or whether it's loving someone else. Is it enabling us to love someone else? Is it loving someone else? In this action that I do, is it loving someone else? If I look at that video screen, that pornography on the screen, is that loving someone else? As I think about how I should express my sexuality, uh, how I do that and how I live it out, is that about loving someone else? Does that show how I love others? Does it show I love God and love others by what I do there? So when it comes to us to thinking about a biblical framework for how we think ethically about things, then it's about loving God with our whole heart and soul and loving each other. Because you know, we're not islands. We are relational beings. And it's not about us. It's about how we love one another. And don't forget, we still need to love each other. That's what the Bible says. Love one another as you love yourself. But the way that we love others will impact how we understand ourselves. And we know who we are because we're loved by Jesus and our identity is in him. So therefore we can love others because we don't need other people particularly to love us because Jesus loves us. It's a bonus if someone loves me because Jesus already loves me. But we spend so much time, don't we, thinking about how do other people love me and we're driven by that and that destroys because we're not built that way. We're built to know that we're loved by God and our identity is secure in him. And then we live that out by loving others. So in a sense, that's the biblical ethic, is that we are to love one another and that we are to do that uh, in everything that we do, wherever we are and whatever we're doing. We're to think that through. It's called a mutual love ethic is what it's called. Uh, we're going to have a look at that in a sentence in a little bit later, but we're going to put it together a little bit more uh, in just a second. But it's called a mutual love ethic. Because we are interrelational beings. We're not just about ourselves. We're not individualisms. We're not about just living for ourselves. We're not about the whole either. We're not just living for, for this bigger group. We're actually living in relationship with one another. So it's about interrelational loving of one another. Where are we, guys? Let's flick down a couple of things. There you go. Another one. Another one. A mutual love ethic. There you go. So that... So when we're looking at it, putting it together, what's a framework, what's a scaffolding when we think about how we understand things, how we deal with things biblically and ethically is about how do we love one another well in that? How do we live out that we love God, 
in loving one another? How do we live out that we are loved by Jesus in how we love one another? But we also need to have a little bit of an understanding too of how that fits in the whole biblical framework. So it's called uh, like a biblical arc is what it's called. Let's flick to the next screen, guys. Uh, We've always got to remember that this thing here is one story. It's got all those books in it. It's got all those little parts of that are, that are, It's actually one story. From Genesis to Revelation is one story. It's God's story. And to understand how we work out ethical things, we need to keep that in mind too, that it works from here to here. Uh, and so we need to understand that there's a, there's a story to it. So flick up the next screen, guys. Uh, we need to know that that story has parts to it and that story works all the way through. So it goes from creation. We looked at that in Genesis 1.27 a few weeks ago, didn't we? Creation. God set it up. In a sense, creation, the very beginning, is how it should be. And we need to get back to that. We're not going to be able to get back to that until Jesus returns, but we'll work to that. But that's the look. So when we think about how do we understand ethical issues, we've got to remember that the creation story tells us how it should have been, and so that gives us a basis for what it should look like. But then we need to remember that uh, we've had rebellion. Sin has broken into that, and so the world is broken. So it's not going to look like creation. But we need to see and know that it breaks, that it's come in. So therefore we need to understand that when we come to think about the issues out there, that we're broken people. But we're broken people who need restoration. Uh, So when you look from uh, Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 2, that's how the world should have been. Genesis chapter 3, rebellion hits. From Genesis chapter 3 right through the whole Old Testament basically is all about how God is going to restore us back to that original situation where we're in a perfect loving relationship with God and loving relationship with each other. But it doesn't go too well, does it, if you know the story of the Bible? It doesn't look too good. Uh, but then we find out that Jesus steps in. He is the fulfilment of all of that. He brings it all together. The way that God is going to restore people back to the creation order is through Jesus. And then we need to realise that that will ultimately only happen in the consummation in eternity uh, when we bring that all together and all relationships will be restored. So we need to keep that biblical arc, that biblical story, as we remember it's a mutual love ethic, but this biblical story is around it as we think about how do we apply that into our lives and into ethical issues that are coming our way. So let me put up two things on the screen for you. Uh, Those that did this last year will start to think, oh, I might remember this little diagram. It's somewhere there. Um, I've pinched this. It's not mine, by the way. Um, So this helps us to think about where we want to go with the biblical ethics and how we're going to be thinking about things, uh, that little diagram sort of puts all that together in one sense. So what we want to look like is Jesus-shaped communities. That's where we want to be. But to know how to get to that, we need to remember that creation was at the beginning, fall hit it, destroyed it, but we want to look like Jesus-shaped community. We want to get to the new future. We know we're going to head there. In the middle of that, we know things about God's character and his commands, and those all things feed into how we become this Jesus-shaped community. Next screen. Uh, so in a sense, it looks a bit like that. Uh, if you'd like to get this someday and have it printed off, I'll print it off for you because it's a bit hard to gather it all together at the moment. But when we do our, uh, our studies, we'll have these with us and we'll be able to think it through these ways. Uh, so in a sense, the order, that's what we wanted to be like back in creation. Uh, a method for relationships is Jesus, that's what we need to be. The way to understand those are through God's character and his commands for love. And our goal is to be a communal uh, of God, of people who love God forever. Uh, in a sense, that's where we want to be in eternity. Uh, but we're working towards that at this point in time. That's one way of thinking about how we look at the biblical ethics. 
Uh, and the other one is, we'll flick down next screen. Uh, this is that mutual love ethic. So when we're thinking about things, you can either, in one sense, you've got to pull these two things together. So you've got to think about the biblical arc and how we think it all through Jesus. But then here's a, a statement that you can think about too, that you can have in your head when you make decisions about things. So the mutual love ethic is an action or trait of, of character is right if and only if it promotes, creates or maintains mutual love relationships between God and humans, humans and humans. So it is only right if it promotes love between God and humans and humans and humans. And the way that we know does it promote that is through this, through his word, as we look at Jesus together. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to think about that at some of these tough issues, some of these big issues that are relating to us in the world around us, about relationships. We're going to think about that in regards to sex. We're going to think about that in regards to pornography. We're going to think about that in regards to marriage. We're going to think about that in regards to communication. We're going to think about that in regards to conflict resolution. We're going to think about that in regards to raising kids. We're going to think about that in regards to hospitality. And you think, where does that one fit in? That doesn't seem to be quite as big as all the others. But you wait till you get to it. I think it's almost as important as the rest of it. So that's what we're going to do, guys, as we think of that together. How do we live in a world around us? How do we love one another together to become more like that Jesus-shaped community? How do we do that? Well, let's have a think about that as we do this together over the next nine weeks as we love one another and encourage one another to become more like Jesus, to be on his team to live to love God more and more in everything that we have and live to love one another as Jesus has loved us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, your word. We thank you, Lord, that you speak to us so clearly through it. We thank you, Lord, uh, that you have given us a scaffolding by which we can look at the world around us and then by which we can live in this world and by which we can make decisions about things, whether they're right or wrong, Lord, and the way in which we should live within that. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus, that he sustains and creates and holds everything together. We thank you, Lord, that uh, we have been engrafted into him, that he is the head of us. We thank you, Lord, that you have given him to us, that he died and rose again so that we could be reconciled to you. Help us, Lord, to live as people on his team. Help us to be conformed and transformed, to be more like him in every way. Help us, Lord, to be people who are growing in our love for you daily and seeking to serve, to love one another more and more each day. Help us with that, Lord, by your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.